As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. This is Bill Maher, and I'm here with your co-host, George Rose. This is Brothers in Arms on this Friday, January 8th, 2021. You know, everyone was talking about how, oh, my gosh, it's so wonderful to leave 2020. <laughs> but 2021, it's not really kicked off so one well. One <laughs> week, one week into 2021. Yikes. Oh, my gosh, the polarization of America. Uh, my gosh, it's just it's maybe the great delight of this day is to get away from the news. So, you know, the temptation is to not even talk about it, but how can we not? It's so much going on in the world, George. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're uh, right, Billy. And I, I'll be honest with, you, I was trying to prepare for the show last night and I'm just stuck in the news cycle. It's, you know, I'm like trying, trying to read about our saints of the day and, and, you know, current Catholic news topics. And I'm just, it's tough. It is it's tough, tough because I'm, um, I, I keep reading about everything that happened on Wednesday, and it's just, uh, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, polarization is the word. Um, polarization in families, polarization in, in people within the church, yep. polarization in society, polarization within po political parties, polarization, and, and with heat, polarization and heat. Yeah, you could say polarization you say diabolos division right well that that is the, the yeah that's right the di the term diabolic means to divide right yeah and, and that's there's certainly clearly what's going on here oh yeah even with people on the same side yeah no it's true yeah yeah you know? it's, it's 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 uh i it you and I, you and I uh, share, you know, very similar political views. But you and I are a little are heated this morning we, we, before we the were, show started. We, we you, like, know? you know, because we don't agree on everything. No, <laughs> you no. Know? And 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 it's so amazingly heated. Yeah. Um, and charged, and, and you're hearing things from so many different angles, and it's uh, you know, I I come back to the fact that you know we are a people of faith, and we just have to in this time dive deeply into our faith. It is the only thing that will save us. <laughs> provided provided we can start going to masses and stuff like that. I'm, uh, I'm hoping. I'm know, going to mass, aren't you? I'm talking about like in mass quantities. So like, yeah. uh, you know, we, we have other obstacles in our way uh, with regards to that. And uh, these are just tough times. You know, it's funny. The two saints for today, Timothy and Titus, you're going to talk about them in a second. Yep. In some ways, they're a model just because of what they lived through. They lived through very difficult times. And, you know, they preached the gospel with enthusiasm as mm. disciples of St. Paul. Um, in a lot of ways, we're in those times right now. Yeah. You know, we're in those times of um, confusion, mm -hmm. of, of, of brokenness, of persecution. And I, and I think, you know, it, it's probably safe to say we're going to go into a time of, of greater persecution. I don't think that that's a far cry. Um, sure. Given given the model. Yeah, so, for people who believe in pro life and religious yeah. liberty and that, it's going to be. Um, and even the right to assemble, you know, church wise. Even some, even you know, there's yeah. even the amendments of this country are are, are now going to be potentially challenged. So it's um, you know when you look at 
when you look at what the model of socialism, what it calls, it calls for big government. It, it, it calls for, you know, uh, the property to be controlled by the government. So there's a lot of philosophical things are going to be uh, pressed and, tr- and, and discussed that uh, are very, very different from what we're familiar with. Well, let's go back to a couple of men who, thanks to their efforts and their work, Saints Timothy and Titus, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are here on this program today uh, speaking as Catholic Christian men. Um, so their feast day is on January 26th. Uh, Believe it or not, they are the patron saints of stomach, stomach disorders. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why that <laughs> is. So but the agita you are feeling today, folks. Yeah, stomach disorders slash anxiety <laughs> <laughs> and agita. <laughs> How appropriate. Yep, and they were both uh, bishops and disciples of St. Paul. Mm-hmm. And in the New Testament, Paul wrote two letters to Timothy and one to Titus. And these are the only two letters addressed to people, not to communities. You know, he mm-hmm. wrote to the, uh, you know, the Galatians, the Corinthians, all those those groups. But uh, he actually wrote to these these men individually. Well, they and, were very close to St. Paul. These were Paul's confidants. Oh, yeah. You know, Timothy yep. being more of the timid one. And the whole stomach disorder story, I don't know if you're going to get into that, but the idea of... You know what? You're you're a little anxious here, buddy. You got to maybe shift a little bit from the water to wine to I, settle your stomach. Yeah, well, <laughs> I had a stomach disorder on Tuesday. I was uh, laying in bed wine? and vomiting. Like Saint Paul told Timothy, <laughs> drink some wine for your stomach. <laughs> so Timoth- so Timothy uh, was the son of a Jewish mother and a non-Jewish father. Greek, yeah. No, no. Uh, his father was Greek. His, oh, his father was Greek. Yeah. Okay. And his um, and his mother was Jewish, mm-hmm. um, and her name was Eunice. His grandmother Lois, and his mother Eunice are known to have joined the early church, uh, and I'm sure they had a great influence on on Timothy yep. uh, coming into the church. He was born in Lystra, which is now uh, modern day Turkey. Uh, Timothy accompanied Paul to many of the other communities where he wrote letters to, where the early churches started: Thessalonica and Corinth. Corinth, yeah, was he, a big one. Yeah, and he was. Um, he was ordained the first bishop of Ephesus uh, by St. Paul. Also in, in Turkey, Ephesus, all those. those Ephesus, great sorry. Yeah, all um, those great cities. And um, he was eventually martyred in the year 93. Uh, he took a stand uh, against the worship of idols yeah. uh, and was m- killed by a mob. Yeah, it's interesting. He was imprisoned with St. Paul, too, in Rome. So mm. he traveled with St. Paul mm-hmm. quite a bit. So did Titus, obviously. Yeah. He traveled yeah. a lot. Titus was was uh, from Antioch, actually well, the first Christian city. Yeah, Titus he he was from a Greek family, a pagan yep. family, and he was converted by uh, Paul on one of his journeys. Um, so you know, and 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 Paul was not only a spiritual father, but also dependent on Titus, his convert, as an assistant and interpreter. And so Titus did a lot of the interpreting. Because remember, mm-hmm. Paul preached to the Gentiles, the Greeks, yep. and Titus interpreted a lot of what St. Paul said to the Greeks. Um, he uh, accompanied Paul to the Apostolic Council of Jerusalem in the year 51. Uh, and he was also then later sent to the Corinthian church two times. Uh, and Paul later ordained Titus as the Bishop of Crete after his first imprisonment in Rome. That's a, that's a nice assignment, huh? What a beautiful little island. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. It's interesting. He was uh, at the Judaizer Council, right? So this is the council where... You know, the early church, the apostles were arguing the idea of circumcision, circumcision. Right? Yep. And so this really directly affected Titus because he was a he was a pagan. 
And uh, obviously, Paul spoke, and then finally, and what Peter, grown man wants to be circumcised? <laughs> <it's> exactly right. <laughs> this is sort of a big deal. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, Peter spoke. Right, uh, a great argument for you know the the primacy of the papacy when they all were arguing about fighting. You know, well, you know, not not fighting, fighting, but you know, arguing. Yeah. And it was when Peter came in, and Peter spoke that the, the issue was settled completely. So. Um, you know, a great, great argument for the primacy of, of the seat of Peter. Uh, yeah. You know, from that point. And, uh, yep. And, and, you know, I think Peter realized and, uh, Paul, I think realized as well, um, because, because Paul circumcised Timothy actually, uh, after his conversion. So there, there is a grown man who was circumcised and then yeah. Titus, Apparently, I don't think he wanted to get circumcised, <laughs> and he kind of represented a lot of the Gentiles, sure. Greeks, who would have had a problem. Imagine if every grown man who wanted to convert to Christianity had to be circumcised. It would have fall. It would have uh, separated uh, quite a bit. <laughs> well, it might have really hurt, hurt you know, um, Christianity really in the long term. It's, it certainly would have hurt that particular Christian in that moment. <laughs> yeah. But you could say that would be, uh, you know, falling uh, prey to scrupulosity, right? Oh, it's more important that you do this right. thing than than, uh, than than follow the, the the spirit, you know, and and have a baptism in the spirit and practice, you know, Christian principles and the Christian faith and believe in Jesus. I mean, what's more important, you know? So, well, fortunately, the Pope settled it, right? Yep, he and did. That wasn't an issue. But these are again two amazing uh, disciples during heated. Yeah. Times during yep. times of persecution. Yep. Um, I mean, it seems like every saint back in that day was martyred. <laughs> I mean, just about every one of them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Titus was not. He no, lived Titus to a ripe old yeah. age, but he huge influence in uh, him converting and Saint, him in St. John. <laughs> yeah. Converting the, uh, you know, the Greeks and, and, and the Turks and that that whole area. But um, uh it's interesting, too, just to see how the uh, hierarchy of the church was set up back then, too, right? So Paul was kind of like the regional, you know, in charge of the region. It was like, it was like a cardinal in some ways. Yeah, you know? and then he would send out uh, people to be heads of the local churches that were established. And establishing presbyters and bishops and all that. Yeah, and uh, so churches were always, they needed to have a head, somebody that uh, was trained in the uh, in the theology and would lead the people in the churches. You know, it wasn't just, oh, here, let, now, now we've preached Jesus Christ, let us move on, and now the people will be, be led by the promptings of the Spirit. No, they, they put people in charge who were leaders and knew how, and, and that he trusted to uh, promulgate the faith the right way, right? Because, you know, there were problems in Corinth, right? Uh -oh. Everywhere. Huge, yeah, everywhere, sure. right? Yeah. So That's the whole, the whole purpose of the epistles, right? It was yeah. addressing issues, right? Yeah. And we read the church fathers, so many of them that we've had as saints, Athanasius and so many others, they're, they're, they're writing apologies against certain heresies that were just constantly popping up because, you. Yeah. I mean, the structure wasn't fully formed, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, these are two great saints that played a, a big part in all that. Yeah, they sacrificed a lot, and uh, they went where they were needed, yeah. uh, you know, and, and responded to the call. So— Today, when you reach for your Alka-Seltzer, spiritually reach to Timothy and Titus uh, for your anxieties and your stomach disorders. As we uh, as we reflect on these two lovely, lovely saints, uh, one a martyr. Great men who really, they experienced everything that we're experiencing today. Yeah.
<laughs> and more. Worse, actually. <laughs> yeah, we, our heads aren't being uh, cleaved. <laughs> yep. So, guys, we're going to be back in just two minutes and talk a little bit about the, the news. Uh, there's a lot of it. <laughs> See you in two. It started like it does for many people, question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the, the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan would, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have uh, the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for, for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to and I know where I'm going and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Father Benedict Groeschel. There are legitimate differences of opinion in any religion. There are differences of opinion in Catholicism. But in Catholicism, you expect that people will take the teaching of its supreme authority seriously. To go diametrically opposed to those teachings is to not be a Catholic. Someone in the name of Catholicism is sponsoring the destruction of human life, lives of unborn children. And they got the name Catholic on the door. The highest authority in Catholicism and the encyclical Romanae Vitae, Evangelium Vitae, is absolutely clear that no Catholic can support abortion and that Catholics are responsible to take serious action against legalized abortion. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Well, welcome back, my brothers, as you drive home. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with George Rose, and we are brothers in arms. And we are... That we are, Billy. We, <laughs> it is January 8th, 2021. We are a week into the new year. And boy, uh, has, has uh, the news been just coming and going... <laughs> I think the, the next uh, two weeks are going to be very interesting. I think we all agree with that. Um, we've witnessed some really terrible behavior with the storming of the Capitol, uh, which has been a reflection of terrible behavior in 2020 as cities burned. Um, and uh, we, we are just in a really polarized, hot time yeah. in, in America, more so than any other time I, I know of, more so than the 60s. Yeah. You know, I, I was reading an article uh, by uh, actually uh, Robert George, you know, the, the the Catholic scholar out of Princeton, and he was talking about... Got it right here, Billy. <laughs> He's talking about the polarization <laughs> in the country with its roots going back to the 1960s. You probably read a little more about that article, but he, he, he really does talk about, you know, what, what these causes are. We're at the sort of at the, the pinnacle of, of what started then. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, you know, he says in this article, Billy, that, you know, the 60s, well, there's an interview with him that came out, uh, I think, yesterday, you know, and so what do you think, one of the questions in the interview is, what do you think has led to the rise of this polarization in U.S. civic life? 
And he says, I think its roots are in the rise of the counterculture in the 1960s. You know, there were good things that happened in the 60s, the civil rights movement, yep. Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King, those things. But at the same time, it was a moment in which a certain ideology that was hostile to the principles of American civic life and to the broader ethical ideals of the Judeo-Christian tradition sprouted and began to take deep roots. And yeah. this is what has given us, in short order, abortion license, the sexual revolution, the rise of promiscuity, non-marital cohabitation, widespread out-of-wedlock births, rampant fatherlessness, oh, and a train a of issue. other yeah. social pathologies whose burdens are borne most heavily by those, the most vulnerable, mostly by the poor. You know, whether yeah. they're urban poor or rural poor. It reminds me of how Satan apes God, right? And you could even take this to the spiritual side of things. You know, when Lourdes occurred and Our Lady appeared to, to Bernadette, uh, mm-hmm. the Subaru, um, there was false appearances as well, you know, prompted well, by Satan. So it's like well, Billy, you I mean, can have a great movement, but you can be darn sure that there's going to be evil as well following. Billy, the number one problem in our country, bar none, is fatherlessness. No, and I, people I, don't I, talk about it yeah, enough. No, they think it's they has it's racism, it's gender idea, it's all this stuff. It's really not. Well, when you look at the <laughs> percentages of suicide, violent crime, um, even even a lack of faith in in in, in, <clears throat> in a belief in God, from to, when you look at a, a child that comes out, especially a boy that comes out of a fatherless situation. The percentages are off the chart. Yeah, absolutely off the chart. So I mean, there's a reason there's a a, a man and a woman uh, to to raise a child, and and yeah, we are uh, I guess at the uh, razor's edge of probably fifty or sixty years of of a breakdown in the family, no doubt about it. It's been going on for fifty or sixty years. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We're um, and these are the fruits of it, you know. And and Robert George's a really well respected guy. Um, you know, he's the Professor of Jurisprudence at Prudence at Princeton University. He's uh, on the board of directors for the Aquinas Institute, right? We had yeah. Father Zach Swantek on several months ago. Um, he's a leading Catholic intellectual in the U- in the United States, and uh, you know I take what he says to heart, and um, and I think he's very balanced uh, in, in what he says, you know, and, and people. F- these secular issues that we're experiencing all have s- spiritual roots. And, uh, you know, and, and he speaks to that um, very, uh, I think, eloquently and, and to the point on it. Yeah. I, and, you know, you can't help but wonder, you know, where, you know, whether you <clears throat> liked Trump, hated Trump, whether you are Republican, whether you're Democrat. Um, when you look at the issues we're facing as a nation right now, um, the, the, the spirit of the particular party that's in power now mm-hmm. is is going to be a, pa- a party in, in favor of abortion. You know, we've made some strides. Um, it's in favor of certainly lockdowns. I, I worry about, you know, the, the effects that has on the church. It's, you know, when you look at church attendance, it's absolutely plummeted. There's a lot of articles that talks about, will a lot of these Catholics even come back? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I I have such mixed feelings on this, and some so many of these topics are so heated that there are going to be people listening that completely think I'm nuts, 
and some completely agree with me. On oh, some you're nuts, issues. but I don't think because of this, Billy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I, I think of the issue, and I don't mean to just vacillate into another area, but um, you know, I think of the whole you know virus, you know, the pandemic, you know, mm. and I think of um, you know where we're going as a nation. You know, I, I I'm in the medical field, been in the medical field for 20. I've I've launched vaccines. I worked with Smith Klein Beecham years ago. And I launched the Limerix vaccine. This is a vaccine that was created to treat Lyme disease, uh, which you know promulgates all these autoimmune conditions in the body. It's a very terrible disease that uh, comes from the Borrelia burgdorferi. It's a bacteria found in ticks, the mid-gut of ticks. And so this was an exciting vaccine. Now, to get this vaccine on the street, what Smith-Klein-Beecham had to do is they had to start with preclinical trials. Preclinical trials are animal studies, right? You start and... That's usually uh, you, you start a, a particular study. Very often it starts in a Petri dish, you know, which is, you know, in a laboratory. Then it moves mm-hmm. to animal studies, preclinical studies. And then it moves to clinical trials in humans. Now, to get a vaccine, you need at least three studies, uh, safety and efficacy studies. And one of the uh, safety studies is a long-term safety study. So we're talking about the process of getting this Lyme vaccine and any vaccine in the past at least to the market, it takes years. And the, the big stick on that is safety, safety, safety. Well, I remember launching this. Everyone was excited. And within a year, this vaccine was pulled and from the market. And what was the vaccine for, Bill? Lyme disease. Lyme disease. So within a year, it was pulled from the market because it was causing these latent, causing latent like autoimmune conditions. Right. And this, and this is a vaccine that went through years of research. So... I'm I'm not I'm going to be very honest with with the radio audience. I'm nervous about this vaccine. I'm not I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists or anything like that. I'm worried because it did not go through the safety and efficacy studies. Didn't have preclinical studies. It didn't go through long-term safety studies. The long-term safety study we have is actual actual use. You know, we're we're actually in a lab right now as an American populace. And I've heard some pretty terrible side effects from it. And I don't know if that's uh, hearsay or, you know, sometimes it's difficult sorting through what is real facts and what is just, you know, conspiracy theories and so forth. But I take that information and I couple it with a mortality rate of this particular virus virus at being 0.3%. Now, what does that mean? Well, the mortality rate from the flu is 0.1%. The average uh, death from coronavirus, not all, because there's definitely outliers, but the average death is a person with 2.6 comorbidities. And well, what's a comorbidity? A comorbidity is you have an other major issue. You're either morbidly obese and have diabetes or you, you know, whatever it is, you have another condition where this virus, like the flu would, very often be all it takes to push you over the edge. So I, I look at that and I say, well, you know, I'm a young man. <laughs> Still, I consider myself a young man. I don't have these comorbidities. I got a 0.3% mortality rate for a virus that 80% of patients has no side effects. Do I really want to risk getting that vaccine that I know nothing about? And and I don't think that's unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is something that a lot of people are, are deliberating against. And this is, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I, I thank the world for vaccines. My gosh, the polo vaccine and the mm-hmm. mumps and measles, all the vaccines I've gotten, I, I'm thankful for. So this is, uh, 
uh, this is a, this is a very difficult times we're in with a lot of difficult decisions. You know, we're we're limited with the amount of people that can go into mass. Uh, we have to wear masks everywhere we go. We have to get you know who knows we might be forced to get this vaccine. I just pray that um, you know smart, balanced minds uh, govern the day. But we, we we certainly it's it's all up in the air. So you're not getting the vaccine. I take it, Bill. <laughs> no, that's that's not even what I'm saying. You know what? I I might not have a choice. Yeah, I'm I'm ambivalent about it myself too. You know, I've read done some reading about it and potential autoimmune response um, that may not be good. And you know, but. Bell's palsy, you know, temporary. Do your research, everybody, and, yeah. you know, either way, it's okay. Whether you get it or you don't get it, I think it's it's your own decision and it's fine. But I, I'd like to get back to Wednesday a little bit more, Bill. Sure. Um, you know, so something I haven't heard a lot of people talk about is, do you know what January 6th was on Wednesday? It was the Feast of the Epiphany. Yes, it was. Yeah. You know, and um, the, the, the Magi bringing the gifts to uh, the Christ child, you know, and— um, Unfortunately, we found out today. Well, f- unfortunately, we found out that one woman died. Right? I think everybody, Ashti. Yeah, uh, fourteen-year veteran of the Air battle. Force. Yeah, thirty-five years old. So she joined the Air Force when she was twenty-one, served the country for fourteen years, and uh, she was in the wrong place. She put herself in the wrong place at the wrong time and was yeah, doing no, something no, she no, shouldn't no, have been doing. No doubt. But I, I, I would argue, probably not enough to be shot in the face, but. Well, this is what happens when police yeah. are confronted with angry mobs. No, agreed. You know, and it's no different than what happened has happened to uh, you know in these protests over the summer. You know, um, which arguably were were worse than this. There was oh, yeah. a lot more loss of life and a lot more destruction of property. But the symbol symbolism of this uh, can't be discounted either. You, you know, taking over the capital and the government in the United States, and you know. Uh, some other things I've been reading about or, you know, St. John Paul II, right, he reminded us that the Soviet empire was overthrown by means of peace, quote unquote, means of peaceful protest using only the weapons of truth and justice. No doubt. The whole, so, the whole communist empire was overthrown using only the weapons of truth and justice. And people who did that stuff on Wednesday went way over the line and they hurt their cause more than any anything that they, the, the left could have done to and, them. And, and the arguments that they had were, were sort of nullified. They were they were eviscerated in, in what happened. Certainly uh you know if you put the T V on you you're not gonna you're not gonna find any any sympathy for, for uh their cause. And yeah. and here's the here's the caveat. If that whole entire you know, counter protest, if you were, or protest uh, march on on Washington. If it was prayerful, and uh, if it was prayers, I, I who knows? You know, the power of prayer. Yeah, um, and it was mostly peaceful protest. A lot most, of people oh my down. Gosh, my my majority. brother was down there with his kids, and uh, y- you know, it was. Um, it's a shame that what happened happened, and and you know, uh, you know, we got to remember that violence is based on a lie. You know, and Pope John Paul II also said that. Violence, which under the illusion of fighting evil, only makes it worse. And this only made it worse because then we also found out today that there was a Capitol Hill police officer who died. He got hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. The New Jersey guy, also a veteran, served in the Middle East, uh, was in the National Guard, got hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. He was a Trump supporter. Yeah, no, I know. It's, it's his family uh, said, you know, from some of the letters he'd written to some newspapers and websites and stuff like that. So. What a disaster. All I can say is what a total disaster uh, it was, you know. I, I think the only real answer at this point is 
we all have to dial it down and <clears throat> dial it up in prayerfully with prayer, but dial it down with uh, maybe the rhetoric and and getting into <clears throat> people's faces and so forth. Um, you know, I, I'm sympathetic, um, very much so. I, I do, you know, I do believe that a lot is at risk. Um, a lot is at risk. Well, I think, but we we have to we have to balance with how we approach. Yeah, this. well, dude, we have to remember where each one of us is, is an evangelist, and we need to bring people to Christ. That is our mission, right? Whether it's my immediate family, my extended family, friends, everybody I come into contact with every day, my purpose in life is to bring them to Christ and to help save their soul. <laughs> and every action should be guided by that. Yeah. Right. And none of the, these actions at the Capitol on Wednesday were not clearly. You know, I have to remember that when I'm talking to people who have different political views than I have. What can I say or do that's going to make this person bring them a little closer to Christ and hear the message? You know, uh, how can I evangelize? And the political, the heated political arguments don't do it. They don't bring anybody closer to Christ. Yeah, no, because immediately people don't listen. No one's listening to each other at this point. Not not when we're, you know, all caught up in politics all day long, you know? No, but there's a lot There's a lot that we have to do. We, <clears throat> we definitely have to take this to prayer. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, regardless, uh, definitely um, issues of life are going to be at stake. So so take this to prayer. Um, and fasting. Prayer and fasting, yeah. Billy. I'm at the end of a, a three-day fast today with a, a group of brothers uh, Jez Ford and some other friends. Is uh, this a water? Max Ford. Slash three day, three day water fast, man. There you go. <laughs> you look great, George, by the way. Uh, thanks, Billy. So do you. <laughs> um, I did a five day prolon uh, fasting mimicking diet uh, yeah. about two weeks ago. So, so Oh, same, you did one same, two weeks ago? Same, same physiologic re results, as, but just five days with low calories. As Jesus said, and, and actually the blessed mother has said it too, prayer fasting and confession, right? She mm. said that in Medjugorje. So uh, not that you have to do a three-day fast, but a one-day fast on Fridays, man, if we had everybody doing that and praying, uh, Catholics, you know, including Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Catholics that they are. Newsom, yeah. Governor Newsom. Catholics who, you know. Get on your knees, folks. Yeah. I mean, Pray, pray for these people. They need they need our help. They're they're you know they were raised as Catholics and and they're not not um uh, not practicing that. Yeah, no, I I you know what I it's funny you and George and I were talking as we came in. We were even talking about the pro life issues globally, and uh, you know we're mentioning what could happen in the states. I recently in Argentina they voted and they uh, basically. Uh, voted in favor of abortion and I, I just can't help but reflect on the cheers in the streets it was really it was women really but uh, the images of of elation um it really struck me hard um and it, it, it the idea of, of the division we face in the world you know it's easy to get cynical it's yep. it's easy to get caught up in the heat of the moment you know, whether you're storming the Capitol or storming your neighbor, that's not the answer. Ultimately, we got to take this stuff to prayer because it, it so much is at stake right now. Yeah, well, I'm sure that happened much to Pope Francis's chagrin, you know. Um, so, I, we, I was actually surprised, Billy, to find out that uh, abortion was still legal in Argentina. I, yeah. I didn't, you know, that, that 
It's amazing, actually. It's well, well, it is strong Catholic, Catholic country. It's a Catholic country. Yeah. So, well, look at Ireland. <laughs> I mean, we just went through this. Well, Ireland was a strong Catholic oh, country. I think we probably can say <laughs> the same thing about Argentina. <laughs> yeah. At this point, secularism is powerful, huh? Yeah. But God is more powerful. Yeah. So, guys, with that, we're going to be back in two minutes, and we're going to have a nice uh, interview with a guest and maybe maybe shift gears a little bit um, and bring someone else into the discussion. So hang with us for a couple of minutes. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Our mission is to transform the world one woman at a time through a spiritual program of formation that helps them to see who they are as daughters of the Most High God and to enjoy the gift that God has given to them by virtue of their femininity. Women of Grace with Jeanette Bankovic Williams. Heard right here on Domestic Church Media weekday mornings at 11. Have you downloaded the Domestic Church Media app for all your mobile devices? It's free and enables you to stay in touch with Domestic Church Media and all we have to offer. You can tune into our live broadcast 24-7 as well as listen to our archives and podcasts. And you can even watch our local DCM programs live on our YouTube channel or watch the archive programs all on your phone or tablet. In addition to all things DCM, you'll also have so many other resources right at your fingertips. The free Domestic Church Media mobile app also gives you the daily mass readings, the liturgy of the hours, numerous common prayers and novenas, and daily saints of the day. And that's not all. The Domestic Church Media mobile app also includes the complete catechism of the Catholic Church, the entire Bible, as well as multiple Catholic periodicals and newspapers like the National Catholic Register, Our Sunday Visitor, and so many others. Plus, you'll have access to all our local diocesan newspapers and so much more go to your app store today and download the free domestic church media mobile app we know you'll love it the leading catholic voices are on ewtn radio we want listeners to see that god has a unique and unrepeatable plan for their lives and how to rejoice in the work god's doing in their hearts and in their homes God wants to set us free to live more abundantly. More to Life explores what that really looks like, living it out in our everyday life and relationships. More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. Heard right here on Domestic Church Media, weekdays at 10. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Marr. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose. We are brothers in arms. Um, and we are here with our, our guest, uh, John Edwards. The great John Edwards. How are you, John? <laughs> I don't know about great, but I'm doing fine. <laughs> How about you guys? Well, you're just a guy in the pew, right? <laughs> That's right. That's all I claim to be. <laughs> yeah. So, John, if I could, I'll introduce you a little bit to uh, our, uh, our listeners. So, um, we actually have an announcement to make, too, because we haven't announced it to Catholic Men for Jesus Christ yet, but about... Uh, this year's uh, men's conference. So we are the oldest. Uh, th- this show, Brothers in Arms, was born out of the Catholic Men for Jesus Christ Apostolate, which is an annual men's conference in in New Jersey in the Diocese of Trenton. And uh, this year, we're not going to be having an in-person conference. You know, just we've thought it was too difficult to. Uh, plan for speakers and all that. Just and, predict it. Yeah, yeah, just to predict, right? There's a lot of logistical stuff that goes into it. Um, so luckily, Bill, through a friend, uh, w- was connected to virtual Catholic conference, which you are a part of. Yep. Um, you're one of the three founders of it, I believe, right, John? Yes, that, that's right. Uh, this past April, we had 
uh, just a Holy Spirit moment. I'm, I'm a Catholic speaker, as you mentioned, with just a guy on the pew, and then my partner, Matt Ingold, uh, he is the founder of Metanoia Catholic. We were both kind of hit the same way a lot of people were as, as speakers uh, when all this happened in the beginning of last year. And all these speaking engagements, which, you know, support our ministries and, and support our families, were starting to get canceled. And uh, I think I had one left, and it was mm. the Men of Christ in Milwaukee. And I was actually packing my bag to go there, speak to 4,000 men, and leaving the next day. And Matt happened to call me. Uh, we, we met through Rise and Cardinal Studios. I used to work for them. And he was in the Rise 38 Challenge as a, as a witness video. So we were talking just about, you know, the way things were going, and, and that last uh, speaking engagement of mine got canceled. And while we were on the phone, I got a text that said, hey, the Archbishop just says we can't do it. Mm. And um, and then Matt, the one he was supposed to speak here in my hometown of Memphis, and they canceled at the same time. And he kind of said, why don't we do something virtual? And I said, man, I don't know anything about that. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no clue how to do that. And he said, I can build it, but I don't know anyone. And I've been traveling over the last few years, and you have relationships with guys like Father Mike Schmitz and Father Larry Richards and all these guys. So we just, I started calling them. And in two weeks' time, we put together a conference that had 65 speakers and it reached 65,000 people around the world. Um, So that started it. And then Ryan Foley, our third partner, helped us along. and, And he came on as a partner. And we've been doing conferences ever since. Yeah, actually, um, John, I, I, uh, uh, subscribe to that conference as well. I remember when it when it happened. It was back. Was it March that that it happened? Uh, it was April the fourth. April. Yep. Okay. April the 4th. Yeah, and, and I think there was both a, a men's and a women's portion of the conference, yes. right? Yeah, and and, and yep. sure was. Yep, and and so this conference and and you guys had great success. How many Six people? Sixty five thousand. Yeah, 65,000 from around the world. Our number one viewership almost every conference is in Singapore. So, yeah, it's, no it's kidding. an international deal. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Wow. We, Bigger know, than the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, that, that is amazing. So just to give the guys, because this is the first time they're hearing this, and we're going to start really sure. promoting the conference over the next uh, month, you know, is on Feb- the weekend of February 19th to the 21st, um, is going to be the virtual uh, Catholic Men's Conference. And, yep. you know, we've been speaking extensively with you guys. Uh, we helped mm-hmm. uh, get a couple of guests um, uh, in, involved that will be part of the, the week, conference weekend. But it'll be from, I think, Friday night through Sunday. And it's going to basically, you guys are pulling together about 20 to 30 different men's conferences from around the country that usually would have their own conference in their diocese. But mm-hmm. since we're all in the same boat, you guys have, have had a great idea to just pull everybody together and have one big conference. And I, I know, I think uh, Ryan Foley, uh, your partner, has told me that the plan is the, and the hope is for this to be the biggest men's conference ever. <laughs> that would be huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we would love that. I mean, we're, we're going to leave it to God to decide all that. But we hope certainly that there's it's greatly attended. And, and really what we wanted to do was, you know, we, we've been given, and, and you know, the Lord's blessed us with the ability to do this, and we've got some under our belt now, and we kind of looked at, as we started to see that COVID's still going to be around, and the vaccines and stuff, it's going to be a while before we can get back to normal and, and, and you know, grouping in large groups, that instead of just doing a conference where we put it on and we invite all these speakers, and, and it's a great experience like it was last year, how could we involve people? Like, one of the things that we really want to do here is really promote collaboration within the church. Um, instead of having a bunch of different silos and 
and, and people doing their own things, bringing together something that we've learned to do in, 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 a, in a pretty good way and, and invite other people into it. So to your point of what you're saying is we knew a lot of these different dioceses that have men's conferences, and then you have 501c3 organizations that men have started to, to run men's ministry. Uh, there was a lot of guys that had to cancel, and they had yeah. no idea what they were doing as far as how we we're going to move forward. You know, what are we going to do? Do we do something Zoom? Do we try something else? And it's an uncomfortable thing if you don't know what it is, you know, if you're not familiar with the technology and how to do it. So we started to look at that, and we said, you know what? We can build the regular conference that we have, you know, that's going to have 50, 60 speakers. But what if we built an individual page, just like we do for the speakers, but but it's for these different groups and dioceses and allow them to have their bishop speak, to have their men's ministry leaders speak, to have their, you know, director of evangelization speak, whoever they want, but to deliver the message that they want to deliver to their men in land that is so critical about confession and, and just growing close to the Lord in that time of the year. That's why most of these you know, conferences are in that time of the year, mm. um, you know, to continue to, to push their men towards walking towards holiness and virtue. So we said, you know what, let's do this. You know, it's, it's different and it's more work than what we're used to on a conference, but let's do it. Like, let's bring these guys in and, and that way they can have their parish watch parties or whatever they want to do in smaller groups, watch their conference. that's on the page with all the other conferences and then they can go into the national conference and enjoy those speakers as that's well. The, that's the key, the, the fact that, you know, as, as people are listening to this in, in the New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania area, and then they're familiar with our conference, we're going to have a, a, an access link for you to get to our conference, but you're going to have the ability to to, to, to kind of zip around and see all these different speakers all over the country. More, more than you'd ever be able ever, to see at a, a one conference that we put on, right, where we, we had to have two or three speakers um, and and the good thing is you you can um, the conference is free, but you can also do a uh, subscribe yeah. for a premium package, and you will be able to access so many talks. Right? Oh. I mean, 60, 65 mm-hmm. talks. How could you? You can't really sit in front of your computer all weekend long. You know, to to at least most. I don't think most people will. But you can come <laughs> back and watch the talks and the speakers that you want to watch later on at any time. Well, you, you know, for the next three or four weeks for your commute, your drive, you'll have you'll, like you can have talks. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's exactly just, like podcasts amazing, almost. What right? an amazing yeah. opportunity! So we're excited. We're excited to be part of this. Yeah, God bless you guys, John, for for doing this uh, and pulling it all together. Because like Catholic Men for Jesus Christ and the Diocese of Trenton, um, we were talking about trying to do something, but we didn't really know what. And we're volunteers, <laughs> man. You know, we don't totally. have all the resources yeah. to try to pull something like this off, you know. So uh, God bless you guys for giving us a platform and including us in uh, in what you're trying to do. It's awesome stuff. Well, no, it, it's a blessing to have you, and thanks for supporting it. You know, it's, it's really, it's really going to help. Uh, and that's what we want to do. We want this, all these conferences to impact whatever it is, if we're doing a healing one or a men's conference or a Eucharistic one, we want these things to be seen by a lot of people and to impact a lot of people. So, and we're really proud of, of the theme this year of this one. If guys are wondering about that, it's living in view of eternity. And we have really spent a lot of time curating the talks and the topics to be things that men really deal with. You know, we, we're, we're basically talking vocation here with, you know, father, spouse, brother, uh, disciple, son, you know, and, and, we're going to have people, we've designed these talks that are things like how I unintentionally, you know, hurt my wife, you know, the power of uh, the power of a grandfather, mm. all of these different things, how to father when you haven't had a father, just topics that are very specific 
there are things that men deal with every day. And then we've gone out and we found the people who live in that world, you know, like Marcel Lejeune is one of the greatest disciple makers in the country. And so he's going to give a talk on discipleship. And we're trying to match that up so that it's not just people talking about random things, but it's people that are talking about the things that God has made them exceptional at and can really lend a great hand to men that might be struggling in those areas. Well, you know, the topic uh, or, the, or the actual uh, tagline for the conference, Living in View of Eternity, is so poignant for these days because it's so easy to be distracted by the insanity all around us. Yeah. And, and the yeah. idea is you, you, got, you can't. you got to look past it. you got to look towards eternity. We were, you know, first part of this show, George and I were really, we talked a lot about the news, what was going on, and it's really difficult to to kind of get yourself away from that. But really, the answer ultimately is prayer. The, the answer to all of this is to back up, to turn the heat up in the right direction, and that is in fervor for our Lord as opposed to, you know, storming any steps or anything like that. And it's uh, these are, these are difficult times we're in. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? What, what message are you delivering to your people? You know, I just, I was telling a friend this last night, you know, at the end of the day, we can't do anything. I put a message on Facebook, you know, uh, that said, basically, the world's a messed up place. Um, it has been since the fall. It doesn't matter who you voted for or you didn't or who you liked or who you didn't. There's only one Savior, and he wasn't on any ticket. Mm-hmm. And if you want to change the world, start getting to know the Savior. And that's that's really the way I feel about it is, you know, the devil uses those things. The devil wants to divide us. And if you look at social media and all this, you've got, you know, you've got Catholics arguing with each other. You've got Christians arguing with each other. You've got non-Christians arguing with each other. And the devil's just kind of rolling on the ground laughing at everybody, right? Because that's, that's what he wants. He wants divisiveness. He wants us to, to be fighting with each other and because it, it takes our eyes off of God. You know, and we get, to, we get worried and we get overcome and we start to, to really – be controlled by anxiety and all these things that we can't control, right? All we can do is pray, and we can be the best people that we can be ourselves, right? To go out and to love. That's what changes the world is is by living the two commandments that Jesus Christ gave us, which is to love our God first, and with all of our body, with all our soul, our mind, our heart, everything, and then go out and love others in a way that changes the world. That's what you can sit there all day long and tell somebody else what you think about everything and beat them over the head with how they're wrong. And what does it get you? Nothing. Nowhere. You get a headache, and and it wastes your time. But if you go up and you love somebody, you receive everything from people in charity, whether you agree or not, and you go out and you live that way, that's a beacon of light in the world. And people see that, and they go, I don't know what's with him or her, but something's different, and I'm curious about that. And that's all Christ needs is for a door to be opened in that way, and then he does the rest. And if we all live that way, a lot of these problems that we we see are going to go away. Yeah, First Peter three fifteen. Amen. Amen. You know, always get a reason for your hope, right? Yeah, yeah. right. That's right. So, John, Amen. I um, that, that's great. Thank you. And you know, you're you're a pretty interesting guy. I I watched on your your website last night, and I would encourage our listeners uh, to go check it out. Just a guy in the pew. You have a, it's a great website. And I'm on his Facebook page right now, actually. Nice. Thank you. I'm going to follow you right now. I'm liking it. Just a guy in the pew. And um, I listened to one of your talks. I think you had like a 30-minute testimony at a men's conference from a year or two ago. And um, uh, you got quite the story, man. (laughs) Uh, You know, from, um, uh, you know, being a, a, a Catholic convert, right? 
but mm-hmm. but kind of not not really a an on fire convert at least at the begin you know the first part of your story um yeah. and i assume you're you're in recovery now um as i've been in recovery myself for about 25 years so you you and i have i saw that and i was like oh man i love this guy already even though we haven't actually met <laughs> <laughs> well thank you i love you too <laughs> <laughs> but may, maybe you could tell the guys about you know, your story, like your glory yeah, story. We always you know, ask. Yeah, we, always we have ask. like, you know, five <laughs> or six minutes left and sure, would love sure. to hear a little bit about how you, well, what's your day job right now? You are full. You have a full-time job, I assume, other than your ministry, right? Right. Well, it's actually for Virtual Catholic Conference. You know, we started an LLC and, and it's it's actually providing, uh, you know, for my family and for Matt and for Ryan's. Awesome. And so it's allowed me to be able to pursue just the guy in the pew and in the Nonprofit I started that houses it, uh, Pew Ministries. That's great. And so that's what, yeah, so that's what I do, and it frees me up to really give my entire life to, to, uh, to Christ. And so, you know, just a, it, it's a long story. You know, guys will have to check out the whole gory thing. You well, know, on my website, or I just was on Matt Frad, uh, his show on YouTube, and Matt Leonard, so you can hear it in those places. But basically, I was born and raised a Baptist in Memphis, Tennessee, and was involved in the church, uh, evangelizing from a young age. Uh, all the way up to 18. I loved the Lord and was going on mission trips and all those things. And that's where my family and friends were. And along the way, um, you know, living here in Memphis, everybody tends to go off to college in different SEC schools and follow in the footsteps of their parents. Memphis is sort of a melting pot for, you know, people that, from different colleges and all that. So uh, all my friends left at 18, and I was really the only guy left around. And so I enrolled at the University of Memphis looking for what I was going to do next in my life. I was never a guy that knew I wanted to do this or do that. I, was, I didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer and know it from the start. And so I just enrolled in school and was working a job, and uh, I joined a fraternity. I was very lonely that first year. Uh, no one, you know, I was surrounded by thousands of people and didn't know anybody. And so I began to seek uh, a new community, and I found one in a fraternity. Uh, and it was the last time I went to church for 10 years of my life. Mm. I started to do things like drink heavily, chase women. It was very uh, promiscuous in that regard. I, I you know, started doing whatever I could to fit in. I was really looking for other people to, to tell me who I was. And so I started smoking weed and doing all kinds of different drugs and eventually did cocaine one night. And it followed me for 10 years of my life. Uh, meanwhile, I was a I was the salesman of the year for a Fortune 250 company, had the money, the cars, the house, a beautiful wife and children, but I was secretly doing cocaine every night, drinking 14, 15 beers, um, you know, not going to church. Uh, you know, thought when I married my wife, that would change. And when I had my kids, that would change, but it didn't. And one night uh, when I was 37, I'm 42 now, so about five years ago, um, I I had a I had a bad panic attack two nights in a row. Mm. Thought I was going to die. Rolled out of bed, crawled to the bathroom, thought I was going to die. And I just said, "Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to this men's conference, this Catholic thing." I became Catholic when I married my wife, but never really practiced at all and, and fought tooth and nail on Sundays not to go to mass. And so I decided I would go there just to go to confession, and I did. And I made a promise to God I would stop doing these things. Well, four days later, I sold something big at work. I got excited. Uh, you know, wanted to celebrate, and I went and stopped and, and picked up some drugs on the way home. And that day, the police were watching the guy's house, and so they pulled me over, and I was thrown in jail on Holy Thursday with wow. a possession of cocaine. Wow. And, yeah, and uh, there's all kind of stories of what happened in there, but basically 
uh, I made it back to a cell at about four in the morning and uh, pulled a blanket over my head, went to sleep. Uh, woke up the next morning under that blanket, thought it was a nightmare, sat up, hit my head on the bottom of a steel bunk bed, realized it wasn't, started to freak out and look, you know, realized I was in a cell and and just started rocking back and forth violently and shaking and going, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose everything, I'm going to lose everything. And then this peace came over me and I said the truest things I've ever said, you know, at least now I don't have to lie anymore. Mm. At least now everybody will know who I am. And Jesus and I had a conversation in that cell and uh, by the grace of God, I have a wonderful Catholic wife that honored her vows of, of to God more than to me at the time, I would I would say, and she would say, but stayed with me. And, and I got out of there on Good Friday, uh, had another moment with a priest on Easter, and just decided that I had to change and I was going to be a different man. And I began to read scripture all the time and pray every day. And I started a men's group uh, where I walked into a, a room and told all these men in my parish what had happened in my life. Uh, scared to death, was vulnerable with them, but every one of those men stood up and after I was through giving my testimony and said, you know, I struggle with porn, I'm addicted to, you know, alcohol, I smoke weed, I'm getting a divorce, I'm a terrible father. And we started a men's group uh, from that night that's met every Wednesday night uh, for the last five years. And my diocese heard about it. They asked me to speak at the conference that you watched the video from. And uh, there was a guy from Cardinal Studios there that day who heard my story and said, I want you to come work for me. So I worked for him and Rise and traveled the company or the country talking about Rise and my story. And so out of that came just a guy in the pew. Uh, Deacon Jeff Trzemski here in Memphis has a show on EWTN, uh, the Catholic Cafe. And he said, I want to start a podcast for you. And I had no idea what he was talking about or how to do it. <laughs> and uh, called it just a guy in the pew. That was a reference from when I would go to daily mass and people would see me in the front of the church. I'm a six foot eight guy, stick out. So uh, they were oh, wow. a young man. Or, I didn't get I didn't <laughs> get that from the video. I knew you were tall, but six uh, eight. <laughs> yeah. All right. Can yeah. you dunk? Can you, you dunk, John? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know anymore. I've gotten a little older, but I used to be able to. <laughs> well, I will tell you this. I'll tell you this, John. You're just the guy in the pew. I don't want to sit behind. <laughs> I won't see you. <laughs> there you go. Well, that was the thing. Most of those people would run up and say, "Hey, young man, are you in the diaconate? Are you in the seminary?" And I would say, um, I would say, no, I'm just a guy in the pew. And so when Jeff asked me, Deacon Jeff asked me when, you know, what I would call a podcast, I said, just a guy in the pew. And so we've, we've got 93 episodes and we really took the first 50 or so from pieces of paper in our men's group where guys wrote down their struggles like alcohol, porn, lust, uh, uh, pride. And we developed shows on that. And so I've been traveling the country, uh, speaking to men's conferences and, I've been in Canada and other places, and then just talking to men about. Hey, John. You know what you're not. John, I'm sorry. We're actually just about out of time. We can hear the uh, the music coming on, but this is great. What an amazing story you have! And uh, let's all our guys go check out just a guy in the pew. Just a guy in the pew. And and John, you're going to be speaking at the conference, right? Yes, I am. There we go. Bam. That that'll be a continuation of this uh, interview. We look forward to uh, that, brother. We're going to be praying for you. Brothers, as you drive home, we'll be praying for you. We'll see you in a month.